maybe once you would uh, help me out here. I'd like to welcome some special guests from Texarkana, Texas. Whoa. Condi and Brent. All the way, how, how far is it? It's about a 16-hour drive. Yeah, you're here for the gym show? Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, welcome. Thank you. We're going to try to kidnap you while you're here and keep you. <laughs> we like it here. Please do. <laughs> well, it likes you here. So thanks for coming all this way. Thank you all for coming. I was wondering, before I left the house, what kind of a nut will come here instead of going, staying home and watching the, the Super Bowl? So... Do you think the Cowboys will ever win the Super Bowl? Just, people say that from time to time, you know. Do you think the Cowboys will ever I don't know. Probably. So, uh, I came up with this idea because you hear people say this all the time. It's not what you know, it's who you know. You ever heard that? So... What's that supposed to mean anyway? If I know somebody, like if I know uh, someone who's the head of accounting in a big company, but I don't know anything about accounting, does that mean I can go get a job there? It doesn't really, does it? You know, I know the chief engineer, but I don't know very much about engineering. So we've heard that. Uh, generally, that applies into business, you know, sales. It's not what you know, but then even even then, uh, uh, who you know can get you an appointment. But then once you get there, you have to ac actually know something, don't you? So uh, is it what you know then instead of who you know? Have you pondered this? Or maybe maybe I just I'm the only one that has this kind of brain that thinks about crazy things <laughs> like this. You know, because I'm a little that way. <laughs> so, we're going to look to Krishna to give us the answers. Krishna answers these questions and addresses this very thing in the seventh chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. What's the title of the seventh chapter? Anybody know? Kirtan Yogi? Knowledge. Knowledge. Yes. Knowledge of the absolute. Yeah. So Krishna, uh, he starts the chapter off in a very nice way. Um, and I've wanted to read this in a little different uh, order because Krishna just kind of jumps right into it. He starts off right, just right away. He gets right into this subject. And so but I wanted to dangle it in front of you a little bit. But anyway, it, it kind of goes really nicely the way Krishna said it. So this is a direct quote from God. So Krishna says in the first verse of the chap seventh chapter of Bhagavad Gita, does anybody here have, Bhagavad, does anybody here not have Bhagavad Gita? Show of hands. Oh, that's terrible. We can't let that happen. So there's three, Atul Govinda. Could can we see that they get Bhagavad Gita's gratis? 
Hey, look at that. Oh, see, it's amazing. You just have to say it and Bhagavad Gita starts coming. You know, uh, great minds have read Bhagavad Gita for many, many thousands of years. The greatest of minds, like uh, Mahatma Gandhi. I know what you're saying. Of course, he would read it. But Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, Oppenheimer, uh, great names, you know. Ralph Crampton, you know. That went right over their head. <laughs> Ed Norton, Ed Norton read it. So no, this that was those are fictitious characters. I'm just trying desperately to be funny and not doing very good. So great people read uh, Bhagavad Gita because they want the wisdom that the Bhagavad Gita gives. It answers all of your questions. It even answers questions that you really dare didn't have, you see, because you don't, you can't believe that there is an answer to these questions. Beyond the meaning of life, why are we here, what's our purpose, it, beyond that, uh, knowledge of God, knowledge of the absolute. So uh, what if we don't know anything? I mean, really, we don't know anything. We're illiterate. We don't know mathematics. We've never been to school. But we know God personally. Is that okay? Huh? What do you think? Anybody? Yeah. Because if you know God, he's the source of everything, right? So then you know, you know it all if you know him. What is the use of knowing other such things? If I actually know the Supreme Godhead personally. But now you may be thinking, hey, wait a minute, how are you going to do that? How do you get to know this guy? Why? Does anybody know him? Can you get to know him? I mean, that's pretty far-fetched, isn't it? So, but let's hear what he says about this topic. Okay? Seventh verse, uh, seventh chapter, first verse, Krishna says, the Supreme Personality of Godhead said, now hear, O son of Prita, that's Arjun, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt. Wow. That's, that's a pretty heavy statement coming from the Supreme, isn't it? Now, he's not talking about paying $60, $70 a month and going to yoga class every Wednesday night, or is he? Is that you think that's what he's talking about? No, no, you, you may do that. But he's talking about bhakti yoga. What's the special thing about bhakti yoga? It's uh, offering all of your words, thoughts, and actions with love as a loving offering to Krishna, doing what I do. I'm not going to change what I do, but I'm going to do the reason why I do it. I will do what I do. I'll work my job, raise my family, cut my grass. Wait a minute. You don't cut grass here, do you, in Arizona? So, <laughs> Yeah. Sweep the front, the gravel in the front yard. <laughs> you know. 
they were all looking at me like, huh, cut the grass? What does he mean? So you do all that as an offering of love to God. You see, that's bhakti yoga. Now you may do the other forms of yoga as well for your physical health, but for your spiritual health, you perform bhakti yoga. You do things and have thoughts and say words as a loving offering to the Supreme. Krishna says if you do that with your mind attached to him, that you can know him in full. He doesn't say 93%, 98%. He says you can know me in full, free from doubt. So the question is, do we really want to know him in full? Is that's, For some people, that can be a little bit of a scary thought, right? Because it's a little unsettling. Because I have some, perhaps, fear of the unknown. I know that this entity is great and powerful, you know? So, and I've heard that he's good, and I've heard all these good things, but there's this heavy thought that he is like a supreme controller, you know? So do I want to get to know him? I mean, if he moved in next door, I mean, would I bake a cake and take it and say, hey, welcome to the neighborhood, you know, or would I just kind of keep my distance? What do you think? What is your, you don't have to say, but think about that. What if you had the chance to walk right up to him? Would you take that chance? Would you do it? You see? If you say, I don't know, well, that's okay, because what do you know about this entity? except that this entity, God, is really powerful, <laughs> you see. So um, I don't know enough about him personally, meaning I don't know enough about his personality, and I've been told he doesn't even have one. I've been told, uh, as a matter of fact, studies have shown, <laughs> no, just kidding, uh, <laughs> A lot of people say, maybe most people say, well, God is just energy, you know, or God is love. Well, love comes from the source of everything. God is the source of everything. So love comes from God. So you could say God is love, but he's more than that. If you see the sunshine, you can feel it on your hand. It warms you and it lights so you can say, this is the sun. The sun is the sunshine. Well, that's true. Kind of. I mean, the sunshine comes from the sun. So you have the sunshine, you still have the sun, the source of it, right? So yes, God is love, caveat. <laughs> However, he is the source of love. God is the source of everything. Uh, if he's the source of everything, that means he's got to have everything to be the source of everything, right? So then he has to have personality. If you've got one, what makes you think you've got one? And he doesn't. He's just uh, electricity or something. Or because of the influence of astrology, uh, nowadays a lot of people like to talk about the universe, as the all in all, you know. Let me see what the universe has planned for me today. 
you see. Um, you're having some troubles, put it out to the universe. So what does that mean? I mean, the whole universe, or can I just shoot it towards Mars or Saturn? Or, you know, if you look at a map of the, our solar system, it's like this, you know, I saw this thing in Flagstaff at the observatory, map of the solar system, and there's an arrow pointing to this little part over, way down over here, it says, you are here. So Earth planet is here, and here's this big thing like that. So what if there's a guy over here and he's putting his stuff out to the universe? That means it's coming to me, right? Or you see what I mean? Because we don't know this person. Well, then I'm going to say, well, okay, the creation. You see, that's like, uh, what's it called? It's... Uh, Pantheism, uh, the American Indians, Native American Indians would worship God by worshiping the creation. And that is a form of religion. It's bona fide. But if you can see some uh, nice artwork, you know, you could see this nice painting of Sud Bush, Sud Six Bush Arm, Six Arm form of Lord Chaitanya. Now, you can look at that and study. Wow, look at the detail. And, you know, he's like Lord Chaitanya, he's Krishna, and he's Ramchandra all at the same time. But if you're really wise, you might get sooner or later into the artist. So we, we, we observe the art and we appreciate it. Well, what about the artist, you see? So we can see this cosmic manifestation and say it's very magnanimous, it's very beautiful, it's very incredible. So this art is fascinating. Boy, I'd love to find out something about the artist. You see, like sometimes people see a piece of art and they wonder what was the artist thinking when he created this? So... The devotee of Krishna wants to know, my dear Lord, what were you thinking when you created this? Oh, you'll tell me in Bhagavad Gita. That's very kind of you. I can actually know this, you see. And according to you, I can, I can get to know you in full. He says in the second verse of the seventh chapter, he content, the story continues, I shall now declare unto you in full this knowledge, both phenomenal and numinous. Thus being known, nothing further shall remain for you to know. What's he saying here? Phenomenal. Things phenomenal are things that we can experience through our senses. We can see it, smell it, taste, touch, feel. Those are phenomenal things. Numinous things are things that we have faith in. You see? that we don't really touch, but we know, you see. So Krishna is saying here, of all things numinous and phenomenal, I'm going to tell you something that knowing this, there's nothing further to, to be known. You see, it, it's all-encompassing. 
you see. So this is pretty big news from the guy who's the source of everything. And he's saying, this is it. There, this is the culmination of all knowledge. Krishna continues, out of many thousands among men, one may endeavor for perfection. And of those who have achieved perfection, hardly one knows me in truth. Well, wait a minute. That sounds kind of confusing, doesn't it? If one has achieved perfection and he doesn't know God, well, maybe he's achieved perfection in uh, merging or attempting at least to merge in with the Brahm Jyoti, the bright, dazzling effulgence, the, it going into the light. That is a form of, per, of perfection or perhaps achieving uh, a nirvanic stage, going into nirvana. The void, that's a Sanskrit word. A lot of people think that nirvana means heaven, but it does not. It means nothing. Zero, zip, nada, void. It's a place where uh, Lord Buddha said you can go, and it's real, you can go there, if you want to get shanti, uh, peace. Get away from the pains of the material world. Same with the light. You go in, you can go to the Brahmjoti. You can do these places are real. You can go there if you want. You see, and you get peace. But if any of you here are familiar with the writings and teachings of Lord Buddha, does he ever promise you love when you get to Nirvana? He never says there's love there waiting for you. If it's void, look at the definition of void. Void means nothing. That includes no love. There's nobody there to love. You're there, but you're not there. There is no there. You see what I mean? So there's a lot of peace, though. It's very peaceful. So going into the Brahm Jyoti, the dazzling, beautiful light, Shankaracharya never said that when you get this liberation that you'll feel love. Read it. Read it. Study it. Don't just uh, assume that that's what Shankaracharya meant or that Lord Buddha meant. Well, he didn't say it, but of course it's going to be there. Well, I don't know. These aren't places that you go to achieve love. These are places that you go to achieve Shanti, peace, to get away from the uh, pains of the material world. And they're real and you can go there. But Krishna goes on. <clears throat> Even if you've achieved these perfections, you still don't know me. You see? O conqueror of wealth, there is no truth superior to me. Everything rests on me as pearls are strung on a thread. Well, I'm the all in all. I am the source of the light and I'm the source of nirvana. You see, I'm the source of love. I'm the source of all sources. You see, with me, you can know everything beyond anything that there is to know materially because all knowledge comes from me if you get to know me. And Krishna said in the first verse, you can know me in full. But to get to know Krishna in full, you've got to love him. 
That's where we come in when it comes into his plan, you see. Uh, we exist to enhance his ecstasy, not by groveling or bowing down, but by sharing reciprocal love, you see. He doesn't need you for a slave. He doesn't need that. He's complete within himself. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anybody but to enhance because the, the complete whole is complete within itself. You see? That means there is no need. Krishna has no needs. But to enhance his ecstasy, you exist so that you can share love on an eternal basis. You see? This is the sharing of love Analyze yourself is the only thing that ever has or ever will give you any real peace or any real happiness. It's, if you think you can do without it, why have you been searching for it all of this life and really all of your previous lives? Even the animals are searching for some form of love. You ever notice if you, if you, uh, if you give some love affection to a, like a dog or a cat, don't they seem to really like that? I mean, they really do. Does it mean they're, well, they're just dumb animals? What do they know? No, they're attracted to loving reciprocation. <clears throat> so are you. It's just very difficult to, uh, to get when you're a human. The human form of life is very <clears throat> complicated, you see. Things are more complicated because you have a bigger brain than the animals and so do all the other humans, you see? So we have a bigger mental capacity and bigger mental struggles, you see? Because we don't know exactly who we are. Uh, we keep thinking, I am this body. That's my biggest problem. I am this. So therefore, now I have to worry. I don't know about you guys. There's a few of you here that have a similar problem that I have, but I got to worry about old age. You know, when I was young, like most of you, I thought, well, it's out there, but it's so far away. You know, it's, that's one of those things that it'll come someday, but not today. Well, let me tell you, it's been with me for a long time. And it's, it's not going away anytime soon unless I leave this old body. You see, seven for seven decades I've had this thing. <clears throat> and I don't know what the shelf life is on it. So it gives me concern. I have to be concerned about old age. I have to be um, Many people are concerned about their health. <clears throat> they take special diets. They go to the gym. Because I have to keep me in shape, right? What if you're really successful? You're born in a family that gives you a perfect diet all of your life in a, in a climate where there's very little pollution. You've never gotten too much sun or too little. Never had anything that wasn't organic. You're not accident prone. Well, it looks good for you, doesn't it? So in other words, you're going to live a long time. And what's the reward waiting for you? 
Old age. Isn't that great? You know, 90 years old, you're saying, I've lived a long time. You know. So, no, 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 no. I'm not saying you don't need to take care of your body. No, you do. You have a responsibility to take care of your body. Actually, it's not yours. You didn't bring it with you when you came here. You're, a, you're an eternal soul. It's kind of like a, a rental car, you know? Of course, you know how rental cars are. When you're renting it, you drive it real fast and slam on the brakes. You don't take care of it like you do your car. So, but no, we are not these bodies. So we don't have to worry about old age and death, you see? Uh, we are eternal, loving associates of the Supreme Lord. He, uh, we exist to give him, to enhance his ecstasy, you see? But if you want to be concerned about your body, then that's your free will. You can do that. Body after body after body. You can do this for pretty close to an eternity. You could stay here and, and do body after body. You know, perform activities, get reactions to those activities. That's called karma. You see? You can take birth after birth. You know, Krishna is not punishing you. He's giving you free will and you're writing your own story. You're writing your own novel and then you live it through your desires and your actions, you see. But when you decide that you want to end the cycle of birth, death, disease, and old age, then you can. All you have to say is, uh, you know, I'd like to check out. Let me off at the next go around, you know. Next death, don't let it come with another birth because there's one thing that's guaranteed if you take birth, and that's death. We all know everything that's born dies in this material world. It, it's just like that. I'm not trying to be macabre or that's just, those are the facts, you see. So uh, I'm going to pause, pause now and see, are there any questions? Well, before that, let me read the last verse of the seventh chapter. Krishna finishes just like he started. Those in full consciousness of me, who know me, the Supreme Lord, to be the governing principle of the material manifestation of the demigods and of all methods of sacrifice, can't understand and know me, the supreme personality of Godhead, even at the time of death. That's the trick. What are you thinking about at the time of death? That's what governs what your next birth is. The sum total of all your thoughts, desires, whatever it is that you've been wanting and still want, your bucket list that you haven't worked through, whatever, at the time of death, you'll get that. You'll get a body. You'll get a particular type of eye, particular type of nose, particular type of tongue, and a body so that you can enjoy or try to enjoy those things that you're desiring. You see, Krishna is so kind. If that's appealing to you, continue. 
continue as you are. That's okay. If it's not appealing, if you'd like to change that, then you can start to uh, perform some loving devotional service. Loving service is something we do to show our love to somebody. <clears throat> so, but that's kind of tricky. How do we know how to serve God? How do you serve a guy like that? He's got everything. What do you get for the man who has everything? You know, Jesus, does he have everything? <laughs> so he's a source of everything. So we have to ask him, I need your help here. Can, can you help me out with this service thing? I don't know. So there's a really nice prayer. You've already been saying it. Uh, but let's say it all together one more time. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. You're praying to Krishna and Hara, his feminine energy. Yes, God is feminine too. Everything comes from him. He must have everything. So feminine energy comes from him as well. So we pray to that feminine energy. Hare! Oh, energy of Krishna. Krishna. Oh, Krishna. Please engage me in your loving devotional service. And if you say that prayer, he will, I guarantee you, he will uh, respond. He'll give you something you can do uh, for him. And that'll be scary until you get to the point where you actually feel like you want to get to know him and reciprocate love, you see. Until, as long as he's unknowable, then it's kind of a scary thing to do, isn't it? You know, oh, universe, please engage me in your loving devotional service. That just doesn't seem to work, does it? All right. Oh, Energy of the cosmos. Mm -hmm. How does it engage me in my loving service? You know, uh, Krishna, the personality of God, now I can have a reciprocation with a supreme entity that has a personality, you see? So therefore, for you to get this loving reciprocal relationship, you have to deal with the personality of Krishna. So... Thank you all so very much. Appreciate you coming. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.